welcome to the 28 Days Later podcast with me, Natalie Wilson. Together with Steve Wharton and Johnny Campbell, plus a few other guest presenters that we've got lined up, we'll be embarking on a journey around the north of England, celebrating its landscape, nature and heritage. Today we're exploring a place that sits within a designated area of outstanding natural beauty on the edge of the city of Lancaster in Lancashire, where farmland meets moorland, Clougher Pike. Locally, we say we're in the trough of Boland here in this western area of the much larger forest of Boland. The purpose of an area of outstanding natural beauty is to preserve, protect and enhance the natural beauty of the landscape. That's a bit of a conundrum to me, when you think about how our land has been impacted and shaped by human activity over the centuries, and how more recently land is managed, monitored and shaped some more. It's hard to see where natural beauty begins and ends, but there's no doubt about it, this area is beautiful, and even more so on a day like today, when the sun is shining and the sky is a deep blue with just the occasional wisp of a cloud. The start of our walk takes us along a short stretch of permissive footpath, and I can hear chaffinch, wrens, a melodic robin, and joy of joys, a cuckoo. As soon as I stop to listen, the cuckoo stops too. They always seem to know and get shy. A little distance behind me, and above the lower-lying farmland, I hear just once the tremulous call from a curlew on the wing. I find that bird sound really gives me a sense of place in terms of habitat and that knowledge helps me learn to identify other birds and their calls more easily. You might then imagine my surprise when I hear the unmistakable call of a peacock, then another, then another. Peering over a gritstone wall, I see a whole stretch of woodland, carpeted in bluebells just on the turn, and well outblued by several glorious peacocks. I watch them for a while, hoping to see a display, but they're all talk and no action. There isn't a fanning of a tail feather to be seen. Our journey continues over a stile, then a bridge over a small brook, which is in fact almost the very beginning of the River Conda. This trickle of water will flow and grow until it reaches the estuary out west in between Conder Green and Glasson Dock, and then on out to sea. A track cuts through the open moorland with its heather, bog and gritstone. On the path lies a huge russet feather, larger than my size seven and then some. It's surprisingly dry up here, and the skeletons of small creatures are dotted here and there in hollows between tussocks. The ground around is every shade of green and brown. Later in the season, there'll be blaeberries and crowberries to eat, and the land will be swathed in colour, purple, orange and white as the heather blooms. In days gone by, heather was an essential material, used as fuel, fodder for animals, bedding, thatch and even building materials in places where wood was in short supply. Nowadays its main role is providing cover for ground nesting birds and food for sheep and birds, including red grouse. 
There is a lovely breeze that cools me off and carries the skylark's song alongside the cough and cackle of a startled grouse. In contrast, I hear them before I see them, two geese, out of place, honking and whirring their way along the shapely bluff of Cluffer. These upland areas provide breeding grounds for many types of birds, including plover, curlew, snipe, merlin and the hen harrier. Boland has long been associated with the hen harrier, having seen many pairs successfully breed in the area on and off over the years. I would love one day to see them and to witness what is often called the sky dance, the dramatic, aerobatic, acrobatic male display of courtship. These birds have been in decline over the last several years, often dying or disappearing over grouse moors and the RSPB, along with other organisations and landowners, have been working together to actively improve the breeding success of these birds. As I turn to head towards the higher ground, I remember a little mission I've been intending to make for some years now. A small detour out towards some disused quarries, where I believe Andy Goldsworthy, the sculptor, created three chambers out of the gritstone spoil. I check the map and see that I can't be far away, and sure enough, in no time, there they are, just north of a spot in between Cluffer and Gritfell. Approaching from this side, they'd be easily overlooked, looking like three regular-shaped stone buildings. But at the opposite side, they each have an oval opening, large enough to stand in, which I did, almost egg-shaped, and despite the hardness of the stone, there is something soft and cocoon-like about them. The view from here takes in Littledale and Caton, which was once home to several mills, cotton, flax, silk, corn and bobbin, originally powered by water, then in later years some by steam. But it's the modern world that dominates the view now. There are eight wind turbines on Caton Moor, standing sentry, steadily working, and in the distance, the unmistakable flat cap of Ingleborough. Arriving at the white summit trig of Cluffer Pike feels like I'm returning to a favourite venue. It's all nostalgia, long memories and wistful smiles. The air is a little hazy, but I know the view well enough to fill in any gaps. To the left, southwest, you can see the filed coast, with Blackpool Tower showing on a clear day. On a clear, clear day, you can see as far as Snowdonia. Then there's Ashton Memorial and Hesham Power Station. The Isle of Man is a treat, not always visible, but definitely at its finest on a sunset evening, silhouetted and backlit by a fiery sky. At the edge of Cumbria, there is the large mass of Black Coombe, ever constant, and there, the high tide in Morecambe Bay, stretching out wide and far. It's no surprise that this is a view that many people have written about. As far back as 1769, Thomas Gray wrote about the magnificent views, both from Lancaster and of the Loon Valley. 
local poet Jane Routh has given our waterways more thought than most, and she wrote a poem dedicated to all of Lancashire's rivers called If It Were Dry, The Thread Would Snap. Of course it rains, it sails, it buckets down, chucks down cats and dogs and stair rods to fill our becks and brooks, dykes, sykes and cloughs, with water soft enough for washing cotton and fast enough to power the mills that wove it. Our rivers are the engine that drives the past into the present. But channelled into concrete, fed sewage, junk and chemicals they can't digest, they drift lifeless to their future. So we're clearing them of cans, plastic wrappers, slime and stink. We're releasing the Roddlesworth from its underworld culvert into pools and riffles and sunlight. We're building fish passes round weirs for the eels, chub and trout and tiny creatures with Latin names. We're balsam bashing so water blobs and red sally flourish and willing the electric blue flash of your imagination to appear there, darting from the bank of the loon, the ribble, condor and wire, the roburn and hindburn, the loud and the tord the Darwin, the Douglas, Laneshaw, Keir, and the Don, Brun, Chaw, Brock and Greta, the River Calder and the other Calder, and the Hindburn with a Y, the Irwell, Ogden and Wenning, Dunsop and Hodder, Blakewater, Cocker, Lostock and Grisdale, Yarrow and Spodden, and Roddlesworth. I'm less than five miles from home as the crow flies, so I'm going to leave you now. I make my way back to the shale track and run down the hill, smiling broadly, thankful for many adventures on my doorstep. for listening to the 28 Dales Later podcast. We'll be releasing a new one each week and you can also find our blogs and photographs on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash 28 Dales Later.